This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. Hello, welcome to this virtual qualification on Saturday, September 18th, 2021. I am a food addict from California, and I will share my story of recovery from food addiction. After a moment of silence, I will open with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Ooh, food addiction. I didn't know that I was a food addict, but I knew that I was sensitive and I knew that I was very, very attracted to food. Um, I believe it started from very early on where I had internal feelings that I just didn't like and from the outside, it didn't look like other people felt like I did on the inside. So when I found food and I took food in and I felt some calm, I was able to, to that, that was how I medicated myself from very early on as a young child. And it, it worked. It worked for a period of time. Food did work for me for a long time until it stopped working. Um, until it made my life really miserable and I couldn't fix it and it got so painful and thank goodness I found FA at the right time for me. Whatever this program was when I was driving there, I had to do it. So thank goodness it was the program of FA. So basically, if I look back at my childhood, I think you know, I did have two parents that loved me and did the absolute best that they could. And I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg. Was I sensitive? So I became a food addict or was I a food addict? So I was sensitive. I felt like I didn't want to fade into the woodwork in life. And so in order for me to kind of plow through and kind of be out in the world, I needed to have a, a suit of armor and my suit of armor to quell all that anxiety and fear that I'm talking about and all that sensitivity was food. It masked it for me for the period of time that I was eating. And so I was one of those eaters that was kind of eating all day long. Did I ever binge? Sure. I'm sure I ate too much in many sittings, but basically I just always felt like I needed to have food in my stomach. It almost figuratively and literally felt like my stomach area was quivering unless it had food in it, that just that anxiety. And so if there was always something kind of going in, going in like a, a slow drip, I was able to function better. That's how it felt at the time. And my problems weren't as big necessarily. And then as life goes on and more issues happen and more life happens, I needed more and more food. My parents got divorced when I was five and my sister was six. There was a lot of yelling. I remember being in a lot of fear um, with loud noises, loud noises, loud voices. And it's so interesting. I was never hit or spanked or physically abused by my parents, but I always remember the feeling of kind of 
crouching and like being afraid of it. It's kind of like, if you think of thunder, thunder is scary. Even if the lightning never comes, thunder is scary. And so I always heard the loudness. And even to this day, I'm so sensitive to loud voices and whether they're angry or excited, I kind of like brace myself, like, like I have an antenna, like waiting for something to happen. And sometimes things happen and sometimes they don't, I'd say mostly they don't, but kind of that feeling of always being ready for it. You know, I exercised quite a bit as a young kid, meaning I played soccer and probably, I, I mean, I think if you looked at me as a, an early elementary school child, I just wasn't skinny, but I, I definitely wasn't fat yet. And then as I slowly got out of sports and maybe would I would say more interested in boys and didn't want to be a soccer player so much anymore, didn't think that was so, so cool if you wanted a boyfriend, I slowly put on more and more weight. So the less active I got, the more the, the food showed up on my body. And I always remember just like a deep insecurity and thinking about myself all the time. I feel like now that I have children, I look and I see children are pretty self-centered. Um, all children, you know, we're thinking about ourselves or protecting ourselves. And then I would say a lot of people mature out of that self-centered thinking. I just never really matured out of that. I was always thinking about myself, always thinking about myself negatively. How can I be better? How can I do this differently? And how could I be more perfect? Like a, a thin person has a perfect life, a pretty person, a rich person. And if only I could achieve those things, then that anxiety inside of my gut would, would, would subside. But until then I'm going to continue to eat. And I don't think these were such conscious thoughts, but this is how it played out in my life. So there was a lot of sneaking and hiding food. I was very good at getting the food out of, let's say the refrigerator or the cabinets, but I wasn't very good at hiding what I like to call the remnants or the wrappers or the bowl or the bowl with a sticky spoon in it. My mom would find these things and she would say something in the beginning. And then after a while, we had a few food addicts in our house. So it was just like, whose is this? It just didn't even matter after a while. She was like, and then what? You know, it, it was going to happen again. And it didn't matter. You couldn't shame me out of food addiction. No one could say something cruel enough to shame me out of it. If I was, my feelings were hurt, I needed food more. But I ate when I was happy. I ate when I was sad. I just felt this need for food and more of it. And I didn't have an interest in healthy food. You know, if it was sugar and flour and I really wanted quantity. So I discovered pretty early the types of diets that left out things like, let's say fat-free or sugar-free so I could eat more. And that told me, oh, you can eat more of this then. I'm like, oh, more is good. More, more is better. And I just needed to to slow down that, that quiver in, in my gut, you know, went through high school, just have a close group of friends. My, my friends still to this day are from, I guess, elementary school, late elementary school and, and junior high. And, you know, even as close as I was to them, they looked, they just didn't look like they had the pain that I had and they don't. Uh, it's just something in me was budding. I was a budding food addict and you know, I don't think, you know, I crossed the line to needing a program until I crossed the line to needing a program. I look at other people and I think, you know, they might be overweight. They might be uncomfortable in their body. They might be, you know, their jeans are too tight or they'd like to be a little slimmer, but it doesn't make them hate themselves like it did to me. I crossed a line to self-hatred, couldn't come back from it. 
By the way, I've lost 70 pounds in FA and I've kept it off. I've had two abstinent pregnancies, just complete nausea during both of them and was able to be walked through that process by a sponsor and got a lot of help and what I could and couldn't eat. And it was, but it was terrible, but I knew there was an ending to that. I knew, you know, once this baby comes out, I won't be, won't be feeling this way anymore. And someone said earlier, it was the best food I'd had in, you know, someone made me some food after I had my, my first child after both children, but I was like, wow, this is delicious. Cause I just hadn't been able to taste food in a good way for, for during, during that period. But back to high school, just really insecure, had a lot of little things I'll say wrong with me. I wore orthopedic shoes growing up. I wore glasses. I had eye surgery when I was five years old. I had a lisp. It was just, it was, there were so many things that happened. I had this funny tooth that died inside my mouth, a baby tooth, and then it had to be like taken out and just all sorts of stuff that made me feel awkward and big fluffy hair that I couldn't manage. And I just moved through the world kind of awkwardly and really wanted to find a place where I was like everyone else, like everyone else looked on the outside. They looked calm to me. They looked beautiful. They looked together. They looked like they knew what they wanted out of life. And I just was riddled with indecision riddled with shame about how I ate. I felt like everyone knew how I was eating secretively in the background. Um, I felt like it was written on my forehead. And then I continued on, went, went to college and just a lot of insecurity. And I don't feel I got the guidance that I needed. And I don't know if I would have been willing to accept it, but my parents were really busy managing their own lives. And, and I see that now I can look back now, like as a parent, there's a lot of life that happens as an adult and it's uh, it's, it's not easy. And if you don't have the skills to manage yourself and children, it's, it's just really a challenging time. So I went to college and gained an additional 40 pounds. I graduated from high school at 165, then uh, went to college, had lost some weight, gained another 40 pounds the last couple of years. And it was just a complete fear of what am I going to do with my life? Everyone seems to know what they're going to do. You know, you had friends with, you know, very specific majors and they just knew what they were going to do next or had passion to do things. And I just didn't know. I didn't know what I liked. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't really know who I was. And I just always had the dream of being married and having kids. I always, always wanted that. I really had, it's so ironic. I had boyfriends when I was the most overweight in my twenties, no real boyfriends. I had one in high school um, and then had them in my twenties. And I obviously just had men that accepted a heavy, heavy set woman. Um, And then just, just the self-esteem was so low. And I look back now and I kind of can see that I just, I definitely don't have a clear perspective of who I am. Didn't. And I, it's better now over time. This program to me is like a slow heal. I'm slowly healing from who I was. And, you know, I believe that my higher power broke me down in the beginning of recovery for me and built me back up as a better one that could be less selfish and could be more giving. This program, you know, taught me to do service. I found this program when I was 28 years old. I was really desperate. 
I have come out of a 4th of July weekend telling myself I really wasn't going to eat. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat. And I, we'd gone away with friends and I ate and I just couldn't stop myself and enough was enough. And I'd heard about this program. I desperately needed to do whatever it was. And I did, but riddled, riddled with self-will still the desperation. And then I had planned a trip to go trekking in the Himalayas in Nepal with a boyfriend, like nine months before I found FA and everything was booked and I was going. And my poor first sponsor, I just said, well, I have this trip planned for a month. And she's like, I don't know if I would have taken you on. I don't, I'm not really sure how to help you. And it was like the joke of jokes. I had a Sony Walkman, the big yellow ones with the cassette tapes from way back in the 90s. I had dried meats and vegetables on my back and I had a scale and I'm trekking through the Himalayas. My abstinence lasted, I think, in maybe until the plane landed in Nepal and I just couldn't do it. And I carried that scale all through the Himalayas and I just was not going to let it go. But my disease came back with a vengeance. Um, one of the things that was offered to the Westerners were boxes of food, like from Costco, like, you know, individually packaged things. And I just had fantasies because my disease had come back. I, I didn't eat flour and sugar when I was there and I haven't eaten flour and sugar in 24 years, but I definitely wasn't weighing and measuring my food and eating my prescribed food plan for my sponsor. But I had these fantasies about going and grabbing one of those whole Costco size boxes of something and like sitting in the trees and eating it. But then I thought, but then what, then it would be in me and I would need more and I would just be driven to the food and there's no way I could get it. And I thought my head would spin off. I thought I, I can't do that. My addiction will be alive and well right now. I'm just upset and disappointed in myself and have shame and and that's just kind of how I lived so much of my life. It was, I call it familiar discomfort, kind of my negative thinking about myself is just so familiar to me. It's just like a bad habit, like a warm bath that I just don't want to be in anymore. So I love this program. It's just given me, and we hear in these rooms, a design for living. There are tools that are given that just help me get out of myself and that self-centeredness I talked about that. I just never grew out of on my own. I just thought about myself all the time. So much negative thinking. Everything's my fault. I have a joke with my sister about like, if, you know, a glass breaks on the other side of the restaurant, I kind of wince and feel bad as if I did it or had some responsibility for it. I mean, that's how deep my self-centeredness goes. And today, you know, I just, I don't feel that same way. I've evolved into a less self-centered human being and going through you know, the 12 steps of um, recovery, each time I go through them and we do it in FA in a closed group study of the 12 steps, I just kind of shave off more of my rough edges with the help of my higher power and with the help of these 12 steps in order in a group situation. It's just, it's cleaned me up. It's cleaned me up as a better human being, more open, more honest, more willing to be who I am. Um, I just moved recently and I got to start over fresh. Um, and I've been abstinent almost 16 years in December. It'll be 16 years, but just starting over fresh. I hadn't moved away um, from my town in a long time. I've been there for many, a couple of decades. And 
just starting over, just being who I am, like a very take it or leave it attitude. And I definitely had that in meeting my husband in dating an FA. I just knew in my core, whoever I ended up marrying has to accept FA. They just have to, it's not leaving me. I can't leave. The person that you are currently dating is an abstinent woman in FA. If I lose that, you will not like who you're dating. <laughs> it will not be pretty. So it was interesting. My husband and I sat down at one point when we were dating and he was talking about some things that he just wasn't willing to change about himself and his beliefs. And it's more his, his religious beliefs. And I said, and, and here's mine, this isn't going to change. And I'm so grateful. You know, my husband and I have been married for many years now and we have a couple, couple of children, two children. And three meetings a week for 13 years of marriage. And, you know, that guy was on duty with a couple of babies and a toddler, you know, many times a week. And I really feel like it benefited our marriage. It benefited my husband of knowing how to take care of these two kids and, you know, has a closer relationship with them. So everything I do around my program seems to benefit me and the people around me. It really, and I was so afraid to, leave my children to leave, you know, that I would be a bad mother if I was leaving them or I, I don't know, whatever the fear was. And it all worked out. I've got these two healthy, wonderful children that, you know, love their parents and they don't know that I went to three meetings a week when they were babies, but boy, did they reap the rewards of it, of a mom who skipped in the house, happy and ready to wake up in the middle of the night and do a feeding. So my recovery today, it just looks so much different. I just I feel a peace and a serenity that I never had before. I don't feel the negativity that I felt before about myself or about others. I'm able to be less defensive. That was one of my big character defects. Um, I didn't like being criticized. I didn't like feedback. I liked feedback if it was good. And that even made me uncomfortable because then you'd expect me to keep it up, whatever the good, good behavior was or the good good thing that I did. So it was just really uncomfortable to be who I was. And it's getting more and more comfortable to be who I am. And it's not because I'm so perfect. Like I talked about before, like I thought if I'm skinny, if I'm married, if I have a ring on my finger, if I have a yacht and fancy cars or whatever, then I'll be okay. And I'm okay right now, right where I am, who I am with the all the lovely things in my life and all the challenging things in my life. I like who I am. I, I believe in this program. It's important to me. It um, has guided me. I found so many friends in this program. I have so many similarities to the people in recovery. Um, I've been guided, you know, my whole time in FA to make calls and connections, which was so painfully uncomfortable in the beginning. And I just didn't know what to talk about until I knew what to talk about. And then I talk about what's really going on. And I was guided to find trusted fellows. So over time of calling people and calling people three times a day, you know, as you build that up, I grew relationships with people that became friends and trusted fellows. And then I didn't have to tell the backstory. If something was going on at work or something was going on with a relationship, I could just call and go, hi, here's what's up here's what's going on. I only have five minutes. 
you know, and, and the message really was, I don't want to eat over this. Help me guide me back to my higher power, guide me back to program, guide me back to a tool. Just listen to me, help me feel heard. So I don't feel alone. Tell a story that you can relate to what I'm going through right now. And I just don't see that really out in the world. And I can't imagine if I left what I would ever do with myself. I'd be so painfully lonely and I wouldn't know how to slowly heal myself. And I slowly heal myself with just really paying attention to my program and paying attention to my food and weighing and measuring it and taking suggestion and being open-minded. And I look back in my life and I just wasn't capable of doing that before. I was too nervous, too anxious, too uncomfortable. And I didn't trust people. That's the truth too. I didn't trust people. I didn't think people really had my best interest at heart. If it was too close of a family member, oh, they're just biased. They're just telling me positive things. And if it was somebody outside, I'm thinking they're jealous. They're just trying to sabotage me. So, you know, some other character defects that I have obviously are suspicion and paranoia about people's motives. And today I'm not really paranoid about people's motives. I just, I can't be in everyone else's head. That's something that's really, really changed for me. I spent a lot of time in other people's heads, worrying about what they were thinking about me, if they were judging me, if they liked me, if they thought what I said was stupid. I said a couple of stupid things recently, just things that were inaccurate. And I walked away from one of the situations and I thought, oh, she probably thinks what a moron or whatever. And then I thought, who cares? It was like one thing I said, and I corrected it in, in a very long, you know, hour, two hour conversation that I had with someone. Um, we were on a play date with our boys. It was, it was so silly. And I just thought, gosh, the old, the old me would just have taken that one and God, she doesn't like me. She thinks I'm dumb. She thinks, you know, and today I can just apologize or correct what I said or go, did that really come out of my mouth? I can laugh at myself. I couldn't laugh at myself before. I, I can't even explain why I couldn't laugh at myself before. It's just so full of myself that I, that I couldn't. And today I just laugh or it's just, it's a new life and it's a new way. So not only do I get the thin body, which never gets old, like the jeans I have on, I actually love these jeans. I love just throwing them on, throwing on a cute top. I had fantasies of what I could wear when I was thin. There was one outfit that I would always think of jeans, cute black sandals and a black, you know, tank top. I didn't wear tank tops before FA. If you're 186 pounds, I mean, and I'm five, four, the size of my arms was not appropriate for me to be wearing a tank top because I didn't like my arms. I didn't like what they looked like. And, you know, today I can wear whatever I want today. I can go shopping and, you know, and, and I don't really, I thought I would be wearing all sorts of sexy clothes or something when I'm thin, I'm going to, and I wear the same types of clothes that I wore when I was overweight, but just ones that, that I appreciate and they get old. Like I have some jeans that I've had for, I think way too long. I'll just say 15 years. I don't know, maybe 20 years. My girlfriend finally said, you know what? You can get rid of those now. And I'm like, but they still fit and they're still in good shape. Like why would I get rid of them? But that's a high quality problem to have before I was rubbing the insides of my pants to where I was getting holes in them. They would wear out. They would get too tight. 
they would shrink in the dryer. Those terrible quality jeans would shrink in the dryer, which means I gained weight and I couldn't fit into them anymore. I wear, I wear things today that I choose to wear. There was, there's one thing I remember these one, this one pair of black pants that I would wear all the time and they had some pilling on them, but I didn't care. And I would wear them, wear them, wear them. I called it the uniform with a tunic top that kind of covered my butt as if, if, if the shirt was long enough, no one would know I was fat under there. And so what I ended up doing was putting them in the laundry basket. And then I go try and find another outfit to wear completely dissatisfied with everything else in my closet. I pull them out of the dirty laundry, go fluff them in the dryer with a bounce dryer sheet and make them smell a little fresher. And I put that same outfit on again and I change the top and thinking I'm fooling everyone. I wasn't fooling anyone. And I certainly wasn't fooling myself. This program has guided me to believe in a higher power. I've had many tests of faith One of them was when my first child was, um, when I was pregnant with my first child, there was a scare that he might have a disease or a disorder. We weren't checking for any genetic diseases. So I was really astonished when um, the ultrasound tech at 20 weeks said, "Mm, you might, you need to go talk to your doctor. And they told us, and I was so scared and just confused and and emotional and pregnant. And I cried for about a week and my husband was so surprised. Like, why are you crying? And I said, because I'm, I'm scared. I don't know how to have this child. And he just said, some men need designer babies. I'm just not one of them. He's like, we'll figure it out. God obviously wanted us to have this baby and thought we were the right, the right couple to, to take care of this child. And I just had this faith for the next four months Um, They suggested if we wanted to find out if the child actually had this disease, that we could do an amniocentesis, which is putting a needle into my belly. But there's, there's a chance of something could go wrong with that. And I said, no. And for four months, I hardly thought about it. And when my son came out 17 hours of labor, I completely didn't think about it. Baby came out and they said, he doesn't have it. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. I was supposed to be worried. The old would have been worried, but this has a belief in a higher power and a faith that just is beyond what I could have pictured for myself. And there's something in the red book called experiential faith. And that was an experience that I had. So now I build on that when other difficult things come up or other news comes to me you know, I can have a faith. And one of the things I say to myself a lot is God's moved bigger mountains. My higher power has moved bigger mountains than this, whatever's right in front of me. And that's why I try and lighten up in those situations. So basically this program has saved my life. It's given me a life. It's given me a thin body. It's given me um, an amazing husband and two healthy children. I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's given me relationships with my family members and friends that I couldn't have, couldn't have pictured for myself. I have a connection with people that is so deep that I, you couldn't have even explained it to me before program. I was really close with my sister before I came into FA and I was as close as I could be as a (laughs) practicing food addict. And today we're both in program and both abstinent and we have a relationship beyond my comprehension Um, And it's because of this program, because of walking down the same path and because of 
having a similar faith in a higher power. Today's the day. Today's the day to stay abstinent. Today's the day to just move forward, be my best self. And for me, that's abstinence and recovery. Thank you. I will now close with a moment of silence and the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.